Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Marcus Moser of Bleacher Report. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Moser. And once again, I'm joined by the one and only Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBTB. You can also listen to him on his show, the How About Them podcast, as well as on the Blogging the Boys podcast. Landon, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm vacation Lando this week. It's I'm uh, yeah, nice. I, I'm I'm off with the family. I'm on the beach. It's pretty great, but I but I definitely have carved out some time to talk Cowboys football. There's always time for Cowboys football. What's What's vacation like? I, if, I it's been a while for me. Well, it's 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 basically non-existent when you have a three-year-old. To be fair, so that, uh, that's true. it's it's really just a facade that I'm I'm telling myself. It's really just a changed location where I watch my child. There you go. This edition of the Lifetime Cowboys podcast is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Use the promo code LockedOn at MyBookie.ag. Uh, on today's show, we're going to discuss some of our all 22 notes from both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And then on tomorrow's show, we're going to preview the Cowboys' upcoming game against the Los Angeles Rams. It always trips me you know, Los Angeles Rams just doesn't sound right. But no. We're going to go ahead and move on. No, I know. And you guys don't want them out there anyways. So. No, I mean, as someone, who lives, as someone who lives in Los Angeles, it doesn't sound right. Well, the, the Chargers thing still messes me up. I saw they sold out, and it said they had like 25,000 people there. That's, <laughs> that'll always be weird to me. But um, let's just go ahead and go through some of our notes. So the first guy we want to mention today is Demarcus Lawrence. And I'll go ahead and start with him because uh, I wrote a uh, a big, long film study on Demarcus Lawrence. You can check that out on fansighted.com. Uh, I just wanted to expand a little bit more uh, than we did on the post-game show on Lawrence because after re-watching the film – and getting to see, you know, the all twenty-two in the end zone version of Lawrence's performance, I was even more impressed than I was initially watching it because of the ways that Lawrence won in that game. It wasn't like he had one single move that he could beat uh, the tackle Jared Valdir with over and over again. It wasn't like Valdir was struggling with his speed or any one thing like that. I was just impressed with the total variety and dominance that he had. It, you know, I saw him on one play get up underneath Valdir and walk him back to Carson Palmer. Uh, and then on the next play, he didn't even get inside of him. He kind of just grabbed Valdir's hands, shoved him to the side, and got a sack on him uh, on the next snap. And then there was another play where he kind of just completely juked him out and Valdir didn't even touch him, and he got to Carson Palmer, and Palmer had to throw the ball away. I, I was just so impressed with his game. After watching the film, it's been a while. It's been a while since I've seen somebody play that dominant, not just in Dallas, but that dominant overall from the defensive end position in the entire league. I thought he was that good on Monday night. What did you see from Demarcus Lawrence? 
Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is that you have this impression of that he played this fantastic game, and then you go and watch the All-22, and you're just like, my lord, it was even worse than we thought. And um, I, and I, think, that, I think the thing that was crazy, the thing that I, I'm struck by really the most is it, there's this old Adam Sandler routine where he talks about, uh, he does an imitation, he does an imitation of Wilt Chamberlain's teammates the night that he scored 100 points, and he goes, hey, Wilt, I'm open, but but the best part of the joke is my imitation of the t- other team playing Wilt Chamberlain the night that he scored 100 points, and they're like, hey, guys, Who's got Wilt? And that's what I that's what I kept on thinking is hmm. why isn't Arizona doing something about this? Because uh, you know he's dominating Veldir. At one point, even after Veldir had been blown apart by by Demarcus Lawrence a couple different times, then they tried to put just a t- just Gresham on him, just just have the tight end block him, and 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 of course that resulted in a sack. I mean, I the craziest thing was not only that he had all this success in production, but that the other team allowed it. Like, that that, that they didn't just put their foot down and, and put three offensive tackles to that side and just say, no, we're not going to... Well, they tried look. a lot. I mean, they, they tried to run Ellington out of out of the side to kind of take away his, you know, wide-angle rushing things, and they lined up guys over there to try to stop him. They just had no answer for him, though. It's crazy. I mean, I, I just feel like they didn't... I feel like they could have done more, and they probably should have done more. But, yeah, I mean, just to go back to our side of the ball, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I, you and I talked about it. I don't know that even after this game, and especially now after watching the All-22, I've never seen a defensive end that's worn the star that had a game like that that I've watched coaches tape of. And that, so that goes back at least six or seven years. I mean, I just I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that before. It, it, was, yeah, it, it, it was a combination of bad, you know, a bad matchup for them and obviously DeMarcus Lawrence playing well. And then also, like I said, there's that third element of, of Arizona kind of just not really doing a ton about it. And can I mention really quickly that uh, they asked Jason Garrett after the game about Lawrence's performance. And before he said anything about Lawrence, he really said, you know, it, it, it's Malik Collins and Lawrence because yes. they really work together as a tandem well. And that's a big reason why they couldn't put more help out there mm-hmm. because Collins was destroying them so much in the middle. They had no choice but to leave Valdir on an island out on that uh, right-hand side. Well, we talked about, you know, that's one of the things. We talked about how, and just to kind of rewind a little bit, maybe like a year, we talked about coming into the season, you know, could Demarcus Lawrence produce on his own? Because that was the concern, is and we even talked about it. I think last week when we were saying how did where did Demarcus Lawrence come from, and I kind of rehashed like you know the the storyline of Demarcus La- where uh, Demarcus Lawrence's you know uh, expectations, and and it's always been well once he got healthy and he got the sacks, so they're like well can he do it without help? And most pass rushers can't do it without help. And what they did is they found a better version. Of of Greg Hardy, better in the sense as a matchup because you can put this guy right next to Demarcus Lawrence, and not only can they draw, uh, you know, draw away double teams to make sure that they're not getting double teamed, both of them because both of them are double team worthy. Um, you know, y- you you obviously create situations where they can play off of each other really well, and they are creating off of each other really well. Uh, you know, they're giving each other sacks all the times. So they're you know, it's it's one of those situations where. You really start to wonder, man, if they could really get something, another defensive end on the other side who could really, truly do something. And I liked a lot of the stuff that these guys, that our guys did at defensive end on the other side. But, but if you really got like, 
if you could really get David Irving on that other defensive end going, or even maybe if you could figure out a way to work out David Irving as the other tackle, that suddenly you got all three of those guys, and then you know uh, any fourth, even Demontre Moore, who we'll talk about later. Uh, he, now you really got a good you know, foursome, like especially on passing downs. It's uh, that's a really it's really difficult when you've got two guys who you can pair next to each other who you can't double team. If I gave you a hundred to one odds that Randy Gregory plays a snap this year, would you take it? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I, I think that's that's pretty good odds. But uh, uh, I mean, to, to, you, bet, you know on, to pla- bet on. I mean, to, to, <laughs> to uh, you know which place has better. You know which place has great odds though. Uh, it's, you know, here's the thing. It doesn't matter about odds. It's where you bet, Marcus. That's where. where yes, that's important. you got it. Yeah. Uh, th- let's let's talk a little bit about our friends at mybookie.ag. Uh, my bookie has been in the business for years, and their rep is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so off the bat, you're making money for doing absolutely nothing, and they have the fastest payouts. Seriously, just two business days. I've used other websites in the past, and it's been months since I got my money. Please check them out. I would only recommend a service to you. Uh, that my To my listeners, that has been good to me. That's why I'm urging you guys to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. If you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit up to a 100% bonus. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate your offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, so let's move to the other side of the ball, and I want to talk about Ezekiel Elliott for a little bit um, for a, a few different reasons. The first is uh, everybody's looking at his stats this year, and they're asking you know, a lot of different questions. Is it the offensive line that's you know, not playing as well? And I think that's part of it. Is he out of shape? Maybe. Um, I, uh. the, the real, I know, but it, it's, it's a thing. It, it's, it's a thing people it's, are no, talking it's, about. It's now. definitely a thing people are talking about. I will definitely say that. However, <laughs> uh, as always, I go back and I chart the number of men in the box per game just to kind of see what Elliot was facing in the box. So I want to go over those stats with you real quick. I haven't told you any of these stats, so I, I this is probably going to be surprising to you as well, or maybe they won't be. Um, in week three, uh, Elliott had two carries against the six-man box, had three rushing yards, uh, averaged 1.5 yards to carry. He had 10 carries against the seven-man box, had just 15 yards, 1.5 a carry. Against an eight-man box, he had seven carries for 11 yards, 1.57 yards a carry. And then he had three carries against the nine-man box, 51 yards, including the 30-yard uh, run. Now, that's... <laughs> Whatever. Those box numbers tell you that the uh, Cardinals were putting seven and eight guys in the box pretty consistently. What that doesn't tell you is how many blockers the Cowboys had on the field. They had just one carry in that game, just one, where they didn't have one fewer blocker than defender. So basically, the the Cardinals were selling out to stop Ezekiel Elliott wait, wait, and daring him. Real quick, they didn't have one fewer blocker than so. So let me say that again. Yeah. So they had the the Cardinals had one extra defender than the Cowboys had 
blockers on every single carry except for one. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Does that make sense? That does, yes. So if the Cowboys had six blockers, they had seven defenders in the box. Yes. Which basically that is telling you that the Cardinals were going to sell out to stop the run in this game. So when you look at the numbers and you see that he had 22 carries for 80 yards, that's not surprising. That That's about what every single running back, any running back in the league is going to do with those numbers. The problem is that they just didn't pass well enough in the first half or utilize play action enough to make the Cardinals pay. And that's something they're going to have to do down the road a little bit. But overall, again, I'm not concerned about Ezekiel Elliott. I'm more concerned about the passing game on first and second down and the play calling than I am with Elliott as a runner. What did you see about the running game just in general? Well, first things first, I'd love to I'd like to commend you for cuz we talked about this last season and I think you and Justice Mosqueda talked about it a little bit too about the importance of not just counting the box, but counting the box versus what you have lined up because I think that's important. I think having the numbers on 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 what you're facing whether you're at an advantage or disadvantage when you run the ball is is just as important as how many physical defenders are there. So, um, so kudos to that. Second, I, I think that what you saw in the run game was a lot of that, where, um, you know, he was getting tripped up at times by one thing, and it, 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 it's a lot. Here's what happens when you play when a good running team plays against one extra defender in the box constantly is that you can't allow for any mistakes at all. So if anyone loses, loses a block or, or loses leverage that gives a bad look to Zeke for a second, um, you know, he already has to account for that extra guy and it makes, it can give him muddied reads. And, And so what I think you're seeing is honestly, and, and this is where it's, I think it's difficult for us to parse is that when Zeke is having trouble it's a lot, sometimes it's because he's not in sync with his offensive line and i don't know if that is because of zeke or the line that's where it's that's where it's tough to tell at times because you know in the wide zone and, and, and plays like that that zeke is supposed to be basically in line with the center like when you watch that play you want to you want him to be kind of almost in parallel with his center in in, in a perfect world uh, and sometimes you see it where some of those backside cutoff blocks are not happening and people are popping in the backside. And what that does is that it accelerates Zeke's clock a little bit. Now he's getting ahead of himself. Now he's missing creases because they're not where he's not where he's supposed to be. So he's not seeing what he's supposed to see. So, you know, I guess my point there is that all that, that extra defender, it creates so much more pressure to be perfect across the line in order to make sure that you're accounting for all your guys. And even then, Zeke still has to be able to beat the guy who may or may not have an advantage on him because the guy may have a full head of steam coming at Zeke. So uh, overall, I think that kind of played out to a certain degree. I I think that what you saw was in the early portion of the game, they struggled to get their fits perfect, and they paid for him at times because usually that extra man was either – Tyvon Branch or uh, the Honey Badger, and those guys are athletic guys who can get to their targets and you know at least slow Zeke down until the cavalry gets there. Um, yeah, and Branch is a fantastic tackler too. Yeah, he, he's, he's really like having another linebacker in the game. He's not really a great cover guy, but he but he uh, he can hit and he can tackle. Very solid tackler. Um, and and so I think what you saw in the second half is is and I I, mean, I even charted it in my notes. I uh, I put it down. I think it was the. 
um, fifth offensive drive or sixth offensive drive. Um, no, seventh. It was the seventh offensive drive. So it was like the the second offensive drive after um, after. No, wait, I'm sorry. I got my numbering wrong. It was the sixth offensive drive. The second offensive drive after the, after the half is really when they started they started uh, getting clean. And they started getting clean box, and you know, they started getting hats on hats. You started to see it the way that it, you're used to seeing it. They started pull, uh, you know mixing things up a little bit with the pin and pull and having Witten block down on guys and getting their guards out in space. Um, and, and, and even then, it was still you still see you still saw Zeke getting ahead of his blockers a little bit. Um, and, and and then as the game started to wear on, he started to get better in sync with them, and that's when you know that's when they started to really uh, uh, get it going. They started to really started roll on these guys, and and by that time they were also exhausted. So, um, but I think the Arizona defense deserves a lot of credit because I I, I think guys like Peters and Rucker played a lot better game than than I was willing to give them credit for. They Peters especially was was really really good. Yeah, so I just want to throw out a couple real quick stats, then we'll move on on Elliott, just because I think these are kind of interesting. Uh, Elliott has 55 carries this year already. 26 of those carries this year ha- have come when there has been an uncounted-for defender in the box. Yeah. That is insane. Just yeah. to compare that to another elite running back, because I try to do this with all the running backs in the league, Le'Veon Bell for the Steelers, for example, he has a total of eight carries with an unaccounted-for defender this year. So you are seeing that teams are absolutely going to try to stop the Cowboys' rushing game before they do anything else. And so, real quick, and real quick, real quick. That, to me, I mean, you want to talk about Zeke being out of shape or whatever. And, and, and look, I, to me, that's a bunch of confirmation bias stuff that's going on. People are seeing things where Zeke isn't scoring a 60-yard touchdown, and so they're complaining about a 30-yard run. We're like, well, 2016 Zeke would score there. No, he would not. 2016 Zeke is, is not outrunning Patrick Peterson. Are you guys crazy? Like, give me a break. Okay, so, like, it's just like, I don't know what these people are talking about. So, and it's, my point is, is that I think what you're seeing, that sort of not-athleticism thing, is really just that Zeke can't get going because he has an extra guy that he has to beat on his own. And sometimes he's doing it and it looks okay, and sometimes he's not. But 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 the point is, is that it has nothing to do with his athleticism. It has everything to do with him having to deal with a whole lot more difficult running situation than he's dealt with in the past. Yeah, one of the reasons that he's had a more difficult running situation this year compared to uh, last year is because the interior of their offensive line, especially uh, at left guard. And I want to talk a little bit about Travis Frederick today. Um, I was not impressed with his game uh, from Monday night. I saw him get beat a couple times uh, in wide zone. There was a couple times he didn't make the reach block that we're just kind of accustomed to him making. It could have just been a poor performance because... I don't think the Cardinals have a lot of talent on their defensive line. Uh, I just wasn't impressed with his game. I'm not going to say it's concerning or it's a trend, but it was just something that I noticed that he it was one of the the uh, poor performances that I've seen from him in some time. What did you see from Travis Frederick on Monday night? Well, I'm going to go a little bit further and say that I think this is his, so far his worst season. I mean, this I mean mm. so so far he's just not played well the last the first few games and. Um, I, you know, I think he played. I think his best game was the Giants game, to be honest, and, and just because the 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 he had to rise to the talent that he was playing. But you know, like I, yeah, I, I think the first half of this game was. I mean, especially when you consider the competition was as bad as he's played so far, and and 
So I think he's he, in the second half. He played a whole lot better. In fact, in the second half, I thought he played really well. Um, and I think that it, it's you know it it is a, it is a reason for concern when you when you got to think Aaron Donald's coming in next week as a as a you know attacking one uh, nose tack nose tackle uh, in the Wade Phillips scheme. Uh, you know I I think that. I think that if, if if you don't you know feel good about where you're going interior, then you're going to have a rough day against these guys. And yeah, I think that uh, I think he started to clean things up and looked looked a lot better in the second half of that game. Um, and I think that you know Green, despite his you know uh, occasional struggles, I actually think he's played very well. Um, and I think he's you know I think he's had some growing pains as any newly starting left he's guard. Going yeah, is going to. And but I think he also hasn't been. Um, as the left guard has not been uh, as a weak spot as I think we all expected, or at least I expected. So I, I think that uh, I think that he's done a good job with with, with what he's doing, and I think it's going to get better because I think that the guys. I just don't think that Fred, Frederick is a bad player, and I don't think he's going to have a bad season. I just think oh, he's. I think he's having a currently a bad season. I think I think all these guys are are you know look we don't need to go all into the whole. CBA and practices thing, but I think that this is a time issue, not a not a uh, talent has left them issue. You know, I think this is a working their way into fi- figuring out their fits situation. Yeah, our friends at Pro Football Focus have graded Travis Frederick as the tenth best center in the league so far, and while that's not awful, it's just not what we're. Uh, used to seeing out of Frederick. We're used to seeing him be the best center in the league, if not, you know, maybe the second best center in the league. So, uh, again, not concerned about it. Like you said, he played better in the second half. I I think as they get into the season and as they kind of work out some of these kinks, that they'll be fine. I know Bill Belichick, uh, in one of the books I'm reading right now, he was saying that offensive linemen really aren't in full swing until about late October. And, you know, we kind of even saw this last year with the Cowboys offensive line. They, they yeah. struggled out of the gate, and by the end of the season, they were uh, they were fine. So um, let's pause really quickly to talk about Sesney. Buying and selling a home can be stressful. That is until you meet the Sesney Premier Realty Group, the professional and experienced real estate agents of the Sesney Premier Realty Group provide service that is second to none. Focused on building personal relationships with their clients, Sesney Premier Realty Group Realtors seek to understand their clients' needs and wants to ensure those needs and wants are met every time and will strive to provide a hassle-free buying and selling experience as they assist their clients with all their real estate needs. No matter the situation, they're here to help. If you or someone you know is buying, selling, or relocating, if you are struggling with the possibility of a short sale or foreclosure, the Sesney Premier Realty Group knows that you deserve the best and will make sure that you get the best. If you currently need or think you will have real estate needs in the future, contact the Sesney Premier Realty Group directly at 469-672-6987. You can also visit their website at www.yourdfwhomesolution.com. All right, so the next guy I want to talk about is one of the Cowboys' outstanding rookies, Jordan Lewis. Uh, I was impressed with his what performance What a game on. this kid had, man. Yeah, I mean, Unbelievable. And like Demarcus Lawrence, when I went back and watched the tape, I was just even more impressed with how well he played. So mm-hmm. I charted his targets. Uh, the Cardinals threw at him eight times. They completed five passes for 32 yards. And when, you, you know, when you're targeted that often and you only give up 32 yards – 
that's fantastic. That shut down level corner stuff. So, um, and most of that came in the first half, anyways, as he was kind of getting used to the speed of the game. Uh, I thought he was unbelievable. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of his tackling ability coming out of Michigan. And to, to me, it's not, it's, yeah, it's not a problem at all. Uh, I, I know people were concerned about his size, and I know people were concerned that he was just going to be a slot corner in the NFL. Uh, those people are wrong because Jordan Lewis is going to be a star. I, I could not have been more impressed with Lewis in that performance, especially when you consider the circumstances that he missed all of training camp. He missed all of the preseason. He had a legal battle kind of hanging over his head all offseason. Uh, he did not play particularly well in the uh, Denver game despite having an interception. And then he shows up in this game and was absolutely phenomenal. Could not be more impressed and excited about Jordan Lewis. What did you see from the Cowboys' third-round pick from Michigan? Well, I mean, first thing first is that I, I, I think that you noticed right away that when they went out in their first nickel group, he was outside and um, not inside. And I thought that that was telling because I think that they're, you know, they're saying, all right, this we're we're giving him the, this chance, and and I think that I think that was a good thing for him, and I and I think he he showed that he was worth it. I mean, this guy, I, I mean, just off the top of my head. I remember at least one amazing pass deflection where he knocks the ball out in trail position. I remember a at least four four solo tackles where he is by himself in space making a tackle on a wide receiver that's much bigger than him, including one where uh, or or one of them was a running back. One of them he 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 got mm-hmm. a, a tackle for a loss on on a running back uh, uh, on a run that went right wide. So you know I think that. <laughs> He did a little bit of it all, like, and I, I, yeah, I I agree. I think this kid is a star, and and Woods too, man. Both of them, like, they they both just came in, stepped right in, and just looked comfortable, and and in a way that's, you know, it's really shocking. And 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 you talked about like the tackling. You talked about, um, you know, we talked about some of the the performance uh, on the ball. Uh, I just think that he he just had a very balanced performance. He looks he just is playing so much like what you imagine those old school like zone corners played, right? They're just like they're maybe Can I can I say something really quickly? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just really quickly. So I chart something called stops for cornerbacks, which is basically when you tackle a guy, do they get any yards after contact? Yeah, yeah. And he had three stops in this game. So, I mean, this, just kind of talking about his tackling ability, fantastic. I mean, no, absolutely no problems with this game. It, it's nuts because, I mean, like that's what I was getting to is is, is that like he, he's kind of built like those old 90s corners where really athletic, great read and reaction, but also inexplicably can can like tackle extremely well for a guy who's probably you know anywhere from 40 to 50 pounds lighter than the guy he's tackling so you know in the case of a running back so you know it's 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 pretty impressive uh, you know to see him just kind of be able to do this and 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 step in and do it right away uh i mean i just i mean my notes are littered with just another tackle by lewis another solid tackle by lewis And, and and it's just it's just he, you know, and 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 he learned on the game. There was a, there was a one of the things that the the and just real quick, and I know we don't have a lot of time, but one of the things that Arizona was trying to do 
was uh, they would take the running back, split him out wide, and then they would put J.J. Nelson in the slot. And they basically would have Nelson run go routes or seam routes or whatever, like just straight up the field as fast as he can. And then they would run clearing. It would basically just be a clearing option for the running back who would be out wide, and then he would run a slant. And they basically just get him the ball on the move and try to get him loose in the defensive backfield. And, and early on in the first half, uh, uh, the, I think it was the first series they ran that, that play, and they did it to Ellington. I think they got like... 25 yards or something like that. They tried to do it on a second and seven uh, on the seventh defensive series, um, and Lewis this time was ready, and he uh, was able to make the tackle. Or no, he actually wasn't a tackle. He was able to uh, get there at the same time at the back uh, to the ball and uh, cause the incompletion. So, I mean, just that right there is a great example of an in-game uh, adjustment and learning by him and, and growth by Lewis just in the game. So, I mean, he's just it's just inc- incredible how quickly these kids are growing. Yeah, so I, I kind of like that you brought up these old school zone corners because the comp that I had for him coming out of Michigan was Antoine Winfield. If you remember Winfield I do. from yeah, the from Minnesota. Vikings and yeah. all those years, yeah, yeah absolutely. So that's kind of the player that he he reminded me, especially of, or especially in that last game against the Cardinals. So, all right, let's go ahead and move on to two more defenders. Um, let's go ahead and talk about Demontre Moore a little bit. In his first game back from a suspension, uh, he made a couple plays, including a. It wasn't a sack, but it was basically an end of you know end of a drive uh, a third play down where he tackle. Ran. Yeah, yeah, he, he ran the edge all the way around and tackled Palmer like right at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, what did you see from Demontre Moore in this game? Well, yeah, I mean, I think a, a, a pretty good debut. I mean, not not you know earth shattering, but he definitely got some good rushes in there. He, he definitely had some pressures. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I I literally just finished watching the tape, so I'm just going off of what I saw. I'll um, get them for you. One of the things. Oh, do you have those numbers? What he had? Yeah, go ahead. Keep talking. I'll find him for you. Um, I, I, but I think that um, you know one of the things that was really interesting about him was was his usage, and and I think that we talked. You know, we, you even pointed out, look out for him to to play a little bit of three technique, and he did. Um, uh, he he played um, some some stand up defensive end and four man fronts. Uh, he actually played some stand up defensive end in a three man defensive front, which was interesting as well. Um, so mm-hmm. they, they kind of used him in a whole bunch of different uh, spots as, as kind of just a utility pass rusher. He was able to do some good things, uh, you know, got some leverage on the tackles and get, was able to get underneath their pads and kind of drive him back, um, which, you know, we've seen him kind of try to do those bull rushes before and just not be able to get anywhere with guys. And, and maybe when he faces someone who isn't John Wetzel, that's, that'll be the case. But, uh, you know, I think it was just – I think it was a good de- debut. It doesn't look like he was that rusty or anything. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to see where he goes from here. Yeah, so I have him as uh, he had 14 pass rushing snaps, and he got two pressures on those snaps. So okay. uh, not too bad. I mean, yeah. and not, especially not in his first game back. And um, it's going to take him a while to get used to this defense. And, I, I mean, I was encouraged with his play. I think the one thing I'm, uh, I'm kind of curious about, and maybe he doesn't fit in this at all, when they go to their Deacon defense, the, that three-man front, does he have a role anywhere on that defense, or is that going to be primarily safe for just Demarcus Lawrence and David Irving, or is this the guy that they try to get on the field maybe as one of those linebackers? Mm-hmm. I, I'm just curious to see how they're going to use him in the in the upcoming weeks. Uh, you know, I mean, there's not any reason that they couldn't just use him as a defensive lineman and then use continue to use the linebackers as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, yeah. like because they, they kind of did that. They they kind of except it was one of the, you know they do the variation of the deacon where they have 
one of the tack instead of having the nose tackle as a nose, they use him as a three tech and then basically have the linebacker occupy the other defensive tackle position as opposed to kind of having a, a traditional three man front with two linebackers peppering the A gap. And so what they were doing was they were having um you know, they had uh, Malik Collins as a, as a traditional three. It basically just took out the nose tackle and then replaced it with a peppered linebacker, essentially. And so maybe they could do him, like, put him in that spot or put in, you know, anywhere along those. I mean, they could do a whole bunch of different combinations with his ability to rush from a two-point stance. So, All right, and the last guy we want to talk about really quickly is Jalen Smith. Um, I actually want to talk about his coverage ability. Uh, yes, we saw him line up, I believe, once as a pass rusher. Uh, I'm not sold on him as a run defender yet. I think he's got a long ways to go uh, in that part of his game. But what I'm impressed with is actually his coverage ability. And, and going into the season, I kind of thought that would be where he was going to struggle because I just did, wasn't sure how the back pedal and then driving to the football was going to be. But I've been impressed with his coverage ability so far. Um I, I had him down as playing 31 snaps in coverage on Monday night. He gave up just three catches for 32 yards, none of which turned, up, uh, turned in to be first downs. I, I'm just impressed with his ability so far as a nickel linebacker. Uh, I'm curious to see when Anthony Hitchens returns what they decide to do. Do they, do they decide to rotate? Do they throw Hitchens back in? I think at this point I would be fine with – leaving Hitchens in on first and second down and making Jalen a nickel linebacker. I just think you'll get better production from the both of them that way. Um, what did you see from Jalen? And just what's your kind of overall take on what they should do with Hitchens when he returns? He practiced Wednesday on a limited fashion, so I'm assuming that he's going to be back within the next couple of games. What's kind of your take on this entire linebacker situation? Well, I'm going to have to disagree with you because I actually – I like Jalen in the run game, and and if you're giving me a choice between Jalen and Hitchens in the on first and second down, I'm I'm taking Jalen right now. Like I mean, I, I but I I think I agree that that Jalen has definitely improved as a as a as a coverage linebacker, um, but I think that's where Hitchens will find his work. I mean, in in and, and mm. I I think that you know look what I think is going to happen is that they're just going to figure out a way to rotate everybody more. And, as they should, yeah, to keep I, them fresh. I, I as they should. I don't think that it necessarily needed to be a situation where, um, um, you know, where like Jalen is coming in out and so and so is coming in. Like I, I think that they they just need to find a way to rotate these guys into packages and use the, use them all in, in in different ways. So, uh, you know, I, I understand the 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 idea of like sacrificing one for the other, but I really do think that they're going to try to find a way for all these guys to get a lot of snaps because there's going to be a ton of snaps for them. So I, I, I like this. I'd like to see them keep Jalen on, on rundowns and, and, and uh, just because I think that's really where Hitchens struggles. I mean, that's, you know, that's Hitchens struggles shedding blocks and, and getting off, uh, getting off people to make the tackle. I think he flows to the ball better than Jalen does. But I think that as far as like the, you know, Getting off blocks and 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 getting into the hole, I think Jalen still is you know developing his instincts there, but I think that he's going to get there, and it'll be it'll be much better than what Hitchens does. I just I just that's the part of Hitchens' game that I'm the least impressed with is is the the I just don't think he's a fit as a middle linebacker. I think he's a better as a will linebacker, nickel backer, and I think that in any situation where you can get him in those roles where he's being instinctual and, and flowing to the ball, that's where I think he's in his best. 
See, I like I like Hitchens' power a little bit more in the middle than what Jalen is playing. And, and Jalen might develop it as it's going on, but it seems like at least in the last you know eight games that I've seen of Hitchens, he's played with a little bit more of that physicality in the middle that you want from your t- traditional middle linebacker. Um, I, I'm just going to be curious to see how they're going to use it too. If it were up to me, I would use them depending on the matchups because I'm sure there's going to be games where Hitchens is a better fit and sure. there's going to be games where Jalen's a better fit. So sure. I'm going to trust my, Rod Marinelli and uh, Eberflus that they figure this out. All right, did we miss anything? Did we get it all? No, I think it's time to talk to the Rams uh, tomorrow, but I think I think we got this uh, put to bed. All right. All right, so that's it for today's show. Uh, this edition of the Locked On Cowboys podcast was brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Get into all the action with MyBookie.ag, where they will match your deposit with up to a 100% bonus. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Hit us up with a five-star review. Uh, If you leave a review and your Twitter handle, you will be eligible to win a free Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. We'll be back tomorrow to preview the Rams game. Uh, I've got a lot of keys to victory that I want to talk about. We need to talk about Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, all those guys in the Rams side of the ball. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnCowboys. You can follow Landon at McCoolBTB. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. The list.